Going Linux, episode 258, Computer America, number 78. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, Computer America. Broadcasting live, it's America's longest-running national radio talk show on computers, Computer America, hosted by national columnist Craig Crossman. Look for Craig's weekly column in your favorite newspaper. This show is being beamed nationwide at ComputerAmerica.com. Keep it here for technology news, computer products, guest interviews, and your phone calls. You're listening to Computer America. Hello, and welcome into the Computer America show. It's the nation's longest-running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers. Computer America is heard around the world and coast-to-coast. And I'm your host, Craig Crossman. And I'm your co-host, Ben. And uh, it is the third Thursday of the month. And uh, you know what that means. It's time for our all-Linux show. That's right. Uh, If you have any interest in Linux or you've been thinking about you know, giving it a try, uh, dipping that toe into the water uh, to see uh, is Linux, could Linux be for you or you're getting ready to upgrade to the next version of Windows and you're saying, you know, I don't want to go there anymore. I want to try something else. Uh, I mean... Th- I want to be a rebel. I want to be a rebel. I, I just want to do things differently and I don't want to spend all that money anymore. I mean, Linux could be the operating system of choice for you. you know? uh, but you won't know. Unless uh, you listen in and give it a try, you know, and and Linux makes it so easy to do that. You can actually try Linux without abandoning the current operating system you're using. So, you know, so if you have any questions or comments or suggestions about uh, anything having to do with Linux, you know, we're here tonight to help you on that. Okay, uh, so that said, uh, let's get our guest here. Uh, He's waiting in the wings right now. And as I mentioned, it's the third Thursday of the month, and that means it's time for Linux. The Linux operating system continues to become more and more popular. It's an important operating system, so every month we devote an entire Computer America show to the subject of Linux. And if you have a Linux question, tonight's the night for you to give us a call. Now, joining us is our Linux expert, Larry Bushy. Larry is the creator and host of the Going Linux podcast. Larry, welcome to Computer America. How are you? I am doing wonderfully. I have uh, an excellent topic for tonight. Yes, you do. uh, Can't wait to get into it. Yes, you do. Now, we also asked Larry to pick a topic uh, for the uh, two-hour show. And again, this is just a suggestion for topic, and we're going to speak on it. But if your question is off that topic, it doesn't matter. As long as it's having to do something with Linux, that's all that matters, okay? We're happy to go off topic. Right. But tonight's topic that Larry picked was, get this, Apple was right! Exclamation point. Yes, he continues on. The magic of hardware and operating system made for each other. There it is. So that's the topic, and we're going to speak about that on our uh, show notes page. 
So, Larry, why don't you – I'm going to go ahead and fix the dates. <laughs> why don't you uh, uh, go ahead and start talking about uh, uh, the topic and, uh, and, and, uh, and get, start, get us started, okay? Okay. Well, this isn't becoming the uh, going Apple podcast by no. any stretch, but, uh, <laughs> but I have to admit that I believe that Apple is right uh, about building hardware and software that work together. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, there's there's a bit of a story. First, almost two years ago, I made the decision to upgrade my trusty 14.1-inch HP Pavilion computer. It's a notebook. Uh, by maxing out the RAM to 8 gigabytes, that's all it could take, and replacing the original 500-gigabyte spinning hard drive with a 512-gigabyte solid-state drive, thinking that I could get some additional... Uh, life out of this uh, about two-year-old computer, and I thought, well, let's see if it can last a little bit longer. Maybe I can get another couple of years out of it, and let's upgrade it and make it perform a little bit better. Well, that just worked fine. Um, it uh, it did perform faster, uh, and although it wasn't going to ever have the longer battery life of the newest Ultrabooks that I was looking at two years ago, the upgrades are much more economical than uh, the than buying another new computer, and the SSD was reliable and fast. And uh, as I said, I got almost a full four years out of that old HP. But last month, the time had finally come to replace it. Uh, Craig knows that uh, yeah. I've had some issues with sound cards and uh, <laughs> other things that I kept blaming on Microsoft's. Skype, which I'm still not convinced that that isn't part of the problem at least, but the computer was showing its age. So I decided to buy a new Ultrabook. But Larry still looks the same regardless. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't upgrade here. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, but the computer is better. It is uh, uh, new uh, and it is a... Um, 14.1 inch. I wanted to go with an Ultrabook again. I went with the Galago Ultra Pro from System76. And if you're familiar with Linux, you might know that System76 is a supplier of computers only running Linux. In fact, they only provide computers running Ubuntu Linux. And that's the model that I chose, the Galago Ultra Pro. And I've, we've got a link in the show notes if you want to take a look at the uh, barebone system that uh, I, I uh, chose. Um, you can take a look at it. It's, it's pretty nice looking, I think, and it's uh, plenty speedy, my criteria for buying a computer. And I knew that what I wanted to do is buy a computer from a vendor that pre-installs Linux. And I also knew that buying from a com company like System76 or Zareason, and there are several others out there, that would provide me with hardware that's guaranteed to run Linux. Mm -hmm. I was tired of uh, having to make uh, older hardware work. And certainly, I've got the skills and experience to make uh, just about any computer run Linux. But I decided I wanted to have something that was guaranteed to run Linux. And by buying from one of these companies, I knew that since they provided these computers with Linux on them, that they would run Linux no problem. Yeah. And by the way, uh, just as a, a, a side here, uh, 
you say that the camera that she's using now is a lower pixel, but uh, quite frankly, I think it looks better. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is one megapixel, and on yeah. my HP, I think it was... Yes, Ben? <laughs> Are you saying Larry Bushy looks better with lower resolution? <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. But you can see more oh, of the... It, it is an HD camera instead of a 640 by 480 or whatever. They, you see more of the room, too, behind them, too. It's, you get more... Well, maybe that's, that's what it is. You see more of the room to distract you from it. <laughs> <laughs> see, I can only see the penguin, you know, just a little bit to the left of the penguin before... But now, yep. I mean, I can see, you know, I see uh, everything. I see the the books, the level, the lamp. Hey, you're creeping, you're creeping, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> can you read the title on the book? I can <laughs> see the next room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, hopefully, well, going with a lower resolution camera, maybe you can't read the titles on the books and you could have read them before. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I decided I was going to go for a, a pre-installed uh, Linux computer. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. And um, wh- one of the things about S- System76 is it doesn't manufacture their own computers. They uh, purchase them from China, from a company called Clevo, if I remember the name correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do select the models and the components to ensure that Linux runs uh, smoothly and compatibly on the hardware. Um, what I didn't know in going into this is mm. how much of a difference that very thing makes. Uh, really, having the yeah, having the hardware work with uh, we're designed to work with the software. Um, and I've been using my new Ultrabook now for a couple of weeks, and I have to say that the magic that Apple credits with making all of its products just work uh, is real. And it's not uh, only available just from Apple. It's uh, available for Linux as well. And um, these days, I guess it's available for Windows, too, if you get a Windows Surface tablet, hardware built for uh, for Windows. But having uh, had the experience of of running Windows on generic hardware and had the experience of running Linux on generic hardware and running OS X on Apple hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, I could tell the difference with Apple. Um, you know, the, you uh, click on something and for the most part, you're pretty much guaranteed that it works. I've run into a few things that didn't quite work, even though the software was designed by and supplied by Apple. So there were a couple of hiccups there. But that occurred more frequently with um, with generic hardware and either Windows or Linux. So uh, I thought this time around, since it was time to replace the hardware again, rather than upgrade or rather than get uh, a, another generic computer, I would get something that um, from this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, something that's designed to run Linux. From the and the 14.1 Galago Ultra Pro, uh, they're calling it the ultimate ultra portable. I mean, I'm looking at pictures of it here. It looks really. I mean, I obviously can't see it because, well, uh, you're using it. So, uh, and the camera is built in, right? You're using the camera that's built into the lid here. Is that what? Yes. You're yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah. but it seems, and and although your experience in the past has been with, as you say, retrofitting uh, computers that were running, let's say, Windows, and doing it all yourself, uh, mm-hmm. and and you as a Linux expert still see um is it a tighter system i mean the, the, you know it, it, when i say tight i mean i mean everything is just coming together 
and working perfectly, literally out of the box, and you don't have to do any special tweaking or updating. Or I mean, it 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 it's it's it, the the purpose or the point of buying a computer from uh, these people, uh, System Seventy Six, is they're doing they're taking the pain out of it. Really, it sounds to me like what you're saying. Right. Exactly. If there's much pain. If, I mean, because Linux, you still, you know, can still be, uh, you know, although it's so, so certainly so much better, still Linux can be uh, the tweaker's operating system, and you have to find, well, what version of Linux do I want, and, you know, what do I want to do, and, and then I need to set this up, and I, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, let me try it first on my, uh, my other system, and, and of course, right. then, I mean, there are a lot of little gotchas, but when you, when you get it, and that's why you're saying Apple is right, you're saying that the the fact that you're taking this beautiful computer system, uh, fresh, new, out of the box, and it's been done for you by professionals in Linux from System76, you're saying that there is definitely um, value to that. Well, yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. but not, for the, not for the reason that you just implied. Okay. Well, what so... Um, the way I heard what you said is that because Linux is pre-installed on the system, that it performs better. Well, it's not and a, well, I'm you, saying, yeah. you can say that for Windows machines because, let's face it, if you buy a, a machine to run Windows, it typically has Windows already on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, same thing with uh, Apple. It's um, running Mm -hmm. OS 10 when you uh, and with Linux though um although this was running notice the past tense this was running Ubuntu when I bought it mm -hmm. um you had it, to tinker you know, yeah you had I to tinker with it have to tinker <laughs> I have to tinker um and and it's that experience in tinkering that tells me that it's not just because it was pre-installed with Linux that it works better mm -hmm. it works better because all of the components, the drivers, well, the hardware components more than oh. anything else, uh -huh. um, are, uh, if not designed to run Linux, then certainly selected by System76 to be compatible with Linux and to just work with Linux. And, of course, with Apple, they, um, they manufacture their own uh, hardware or at least design their own hardware mm -hmm. and have it manufactured for them. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sure they manufacture some of their own as well. But uh, they they install uh, OS 10 on there, uh, and they control both the hardware and the software. And so they have very tight control over things. And that's um, that's one side of this. The other the other side of it is that um, uh, with with uh, System 76 or even the reason or any of the others that actually uh, handpick the hardware to put Linux on it before selling you the computer with Linux pre-installed. Um, it, uh, it's designed to run the operating system. And because of that, when you get the computer, um, it, it works because it's already pre-installed. But even if you were to uninstall and reinstall and put another version of Linux on here, mm -hmm. Uh, it it will continue to just work and work well because it's designed for Linux, any Linux. It doesn't have to be the original Linux that was on there. In fact, 
uh, Zarezen will install a number of different um, versions of Linux on there. You select what you want. Uh, System76, on the other hand, they provide it with only Ubuntu. That's the only Linux they install and the only Linux they provide support for. Uh, however, they do allow you to uh, install another Linux on there, and they will continue to support your hardware for you. Now, they're not going to support the software. They're not going to support another version of Linux, but uh, they will support Ubuntu for as long as you have it on there. So if you upgrade um, to a, a later version of Ubuntu, they'll continue to support it. If you switch to, I don't know, Fedora and then download a, another copy of Ubuntu and reinstall it, they're going to continue to support it. In fact, their recovery disk is an Ubuntu live CD. Uh, it, it is just Ubuntu software. It is not anything special. Uh, in fact, their, their support site says if you need to reinstall, just go to Ubuntu site, download uh, the uh, uh, the live CD and install it from there. Now, there's there's no special version of, of I mean, this Ubuntu is a standard. There are no are there special drivers for this particular Ultrabook that you have, uh, so it works with the hardware correctly and everything, or does it auto detect it? Or uh, I mean, you know, because that's yeah, what but, Apple does. Because we're talking about Apple, you know, when they make their OS 10, uh, it's going to look at the the type of the, the which what version of Mac you if you have a MacBook Pro, if you've got a MacBook, if you've got a an iMac, you know, and the configuration and it kind of and it kind of fits itself to that. Is that what happens with the uh, Ubuntu? Well, um, I don't think so. In the case of my particular hardware, now I can't speak for the other hardware from System76, uh -huh. but I did notice that they have a System76 driver for the computer. Mm -hmm. And when I replaced Ubuntu with another version of Linux, it was an Ubuntu-compatible version of Linux. You can mm -hmm. probably guess which one. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, I went to a System76 site, uh, downloaded that driver, and ran it. And it didn't appear to install anything. Uh, it didn't install any special driver for the video. It didn't install any special driver for the camera or for the wireless card wow. or anything that I could see. It seemed to be um, a shell that you could just subscribe to, essentially. And if they did come up with a driver update specifically for your model, it would come to you through that channel. But uh, it, it may be that for other models, they have special drivers for the hardware to make it work with Ubuntu. Uh, but typically, that's something that Ubuntu provides. Uh, as opposed to System76. So I'm not exactly sure what that is, that, that System76 driver, and I haven't thought to ask them, and I think I might just do that now. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't see that it actually installed anything. Um, it did appear in the menu, and I ran it. It appeared to do something, but I didn't see any changes to my system. I... Uh, I have an Origin PC, not System76 or anything, and mm -hmm. I know a driver is a little bit more base, you know, is a little bit more, uh, you know, ground level, uh, basic than uh, than anything else or than a particular user type. But I know that with Origin PC, you know, the things that they loaded on there, like they installed everything and in, you know, into all the drivers and things like that. The really the only thing they put on were like desktops, backgrounds, screensavers, things like that. Could that have been you know, what it was? It, it was kind of like their watermark, you know, that they could put somewhere on the system. 
It's possible. Um, like I said, I really don't know what they've done. Um, and it's still running on there, but I did run it for a little while without that driver. And I didn't notice any difference before or after. So do you, if it's... Do you think you should ask them? That's, that's a good point. Say, you know, yeah, what, is, yeah. what is this driver doing for me? I just put a, I took it off and ran the generic one and I don't see a difference. And then the tech guy yeah. will say, yeah, well, that's because, you know, and that's yeah. it. Exactly. So I, I will ask the question and find out what's going on. But my main point here is that when you use hardware that's made for Linux, everything just works just as it does on an Apple computer. And you don't have to mess to find the right drivers for your hardware. You don't need to worry that the display might need a tweak to get it working. And you don't have to mess with the sound card or any other component that I can see. And uh, the advantages of having hardware and software that are designed for each other um, that, that, uh, enormous. That, yeah, it's enormous. And it gives you a, a Linux computer that just works just as it does for Apple devices with their hardware and software working together. Would you say that working with your, uh, your brand new system 76 computer, as opposed to now, what was it you had before? I'm sorry. What was it? I had an HP. HP. And yep. how long did you have the HP? Uh, four years. All right. So you're four year old. HP and the brand new uh, System 76 uh, uh, mm -hmm. model. Um, would you say that uh, was? Would you say that this one is less glitchy? I mean, I, I, just, I, I know it's a broad term, but I'm trying to yeah. give you know. I mean, I mean, were there hiccups with that, and and that you know had to go through anything? And which you don't I have. To, one of the things I didn't have was probably uh, uh, bloatware that tends to come with well, a lot of. That's another Windows. good point. Yeah, bloatware. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, is it a smooth, a smoother experience for you? Yes, it was less glitchy when I installed Linux Mint on here. Uh, it it started up, and I knew that it was going to work out of the box because. Um, uh, it's designed to run Linux, and Linux Mint, of course, is Linux, and I knew it wasn't going to So let's continue on. Go ahead. There we go. Okay, <laughs> so speaking of glitches, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think it was uh, an HP 6700 or something like that that uh, was either running Windows XP or Windows Vista um, when I first purchased it, and uh, I installed whatever version of Linux I was running at the time, probably Ubuntu. And on that computer, it had um, a Broadcom wireless card. Mm -hmm. And Broadcom, the older models were notorious for not being compatible with Linux, and you had to jump through hoops. And I did have to do that on that older machine. And that's the kind of glitch that uh, most computer users, especially those that uh, just want their, their hardware to work, mm -hmm. don't want to mess with. And that uh, turns a lot of people off. It has turned a lot of people off. All right. Well, we're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to continue on. Now, you listen to the Computer America Show. It's our all-Linux show here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. It's our all-Linux show. Um, and we have Larry Bush here. And before we get back to, uh, you know, was the experience glitchy, you know, with a uh, computer, um, you know, we were just talking about a question, you know, what does the System76 driver do? And it turns out one of our audience members is a better Googler than any of us, apparently, and actually found the answer. So, you know, I thought, Larry, that you might like to read, you know, exactly what that is and explain what they do with that. 
Okay, so from INET Ken, thanks Ken. Uh, from the System76 site, the System76 driver adds devices that aren't natively supported by Ubuntu. For some machines, this means support for a microphone or a card reader. For other machines, all devices are supported out of the box. The System76 driver is also used to restore your system using a standard Ubuntu disk. So, um, since I didn't notice any drivers for microphones or card readers or any of the other hardware components, the restore is probably the only thing that that driver is doing for me, and I'm not going to restore to Ubuntu, so I think I'll remove it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, so even the stuff that comes pre-installed from seven, uh, System76 is not required and or mandatory. You can even take that off and just have a completely clean slate. Right, exactly. So um, if there are any components there that are not as compatible with Linux as System76 would like, they're providing the driver as part of this System76 driver. I don't know whether they write them themselves or whether they're pack packaging up drivers from other places, but they're doing the hard work to find the driver that works. And that's the key thing there. So um, you don't have to go online and look for drivers to make uh, something work. And I was talking about the um, HP 6700 computer that I had some time ago and, and that Wi-Fi card. That's exactly what I had to do. I had to go find the driver. And at the time I was looking for it originally, there wasn't an open source driver available. So I actually had to pull the driver off of the Windows system and use um, some software that actually allows Linux to use the Windows driver for that hardware. And that worked for a while until Linux caught up and uh, uh, there was an open source driver available in a future version of, of Ubuntu or whatever Linux I was using at the time. And so I didn't have to go through those hoops. So they cut up on that. And uh, these days, most computer hardware is supported under Linux, with the possible exception of the newest, 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 if the, the developer of that hardware is not particularly diligent about making sure that there's a Linux driver for it available. And um, even with that, it doesn't take long for the uh, open source community to develop a driver for that uh, particular hardware, especially if it's something that is um, especially... Um, uh, popular. Uh, and in my last uh, computer, uh, the HP uh, Pavilion DM4, which was a 14-inch um, laptop notebook computer, um, the only glitch that I had with it uh, was um, in the end. Um, you know, the hardware started to fail on me. So uh, at the very beginning, even booted into um, Windows 7 or whatever was on there at the time, uh, I think I immediately wiped it and installed uh, installed Linux right there. I, I took a chance that there would be hardware compatibility all around, and uh, uh, I, I won out on that bet. But that's really the point in, in buying a computer that has Linux pre-installed in it. You don't have to make that gamble. Um, you are guaranteed that it's going to work because the supplier of the hardware has already vetted the hardware and, and ensures that it is indeed going to uh, be run. Well, let me ask you this. 
then. Are you saying <laughs> to anyone who wants to get into Linux for them to either sell or get rid of or uh, their current system and go with one like from System76 and avoid all the headaches that they might have if they get uh, they just go ahead and get the System76. I mean, if they've been trying Linux or they, they say, you know, I like it, I want to do it, then don't put it on your existing system. You know, either sell that or waterfall it to the kids and go out and get yourself one from System76. Are you saying that? I'm saying that if that's important to that person. So if you're the kind of person that likes to experiment around and try things and you like the experience of researching a problem and finally solving it, um, then by all means, take some old piece of crap <laughs> junk <laughs> Windows machine yeah. or an old retired uh, MacBook um, or or Apple Tower, or you know whatever, and try installing Linux on it. You'll find that uh, for the most part it will work, and maybe there will be one little piece of hardware that doesn't work quite right, and then you've got to go and find out what the problem is. Mm -hmm. And if you're the kind of person who loves tinkering, that's perfect for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're the kind of person that when you buy your computer, you want it to work, and you don't want to mess with it, and you don't want to be experimenting around with it. Once you've got something installed on there, you're not going to change it. Then System76, if you want to run Linux, is probably one of the best ways to go, uh, and any of the other vendors right. out there that provide this. And uh, I you know, there are some, some uh, computer uh, uh, suppliers who purchase um, computers from other manufacturers like Lenovo or Dell and install Linux on them for you. And those will work just fine because they've pre-configured them for you. Uh, but uh, unless they have handpicked that model because it has compatible hardware, you may, if you decide to replace or upgrade to a newer version of Linux, uh, you may find that you have some hardware in there that they provided a special driver for that, that might be a little difficult for you to get working. And that's one of the downsides of Windows as well. So there is a reason why uh, Windows is pre-installed when, when you buy a computer. Uh, and I don't know whether it started back in the good old days when IBM decided that uh, it would allow the creation of the PC clones because IBM was PC back in those days, and they decided, okay, yeah. we're going to allow generic manufacturers to make clone hardware, and uh, uh, we'll put uh, DOS on there, uh, mm -hmm. or we'll provide DOS, and uh, it'll work just fine. Well, one of the things that happened is that uh, because of that, in today's world, when designing the software, the folks at Microsoft have to consider hardware compatibility. There are many, many hundreds, maybe even thousands of vendors out there for any particular computer component that could go into a, a Windows machine. Uh, on the plus side, that's created a market uh, for all kinds of Windows computers, from inexpensive, underpowered netbooks, or worse, to uh, screaming, liquid-cooled, gaming-optimized supercomputers like the one that Ben uses. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, and there's a vast array anywhere along that spectrum. And that's a good thing because for someone on a budget, there's a Windows computer. For someone who doesn't have a budget or needs that, that uh, 
liquid-cooled gaming machine to run their games, um, and money is no object, they can go ahead and uh, you are uh, paying for this out of your own money, right, Ben? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's company money, so we can have fun. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, yes, it's for evaluation purposes only. Uh-huh. Uh, so there, And that's the advantage, but... Uh, uh, the disadvantage is that it's impossible for Microsoft to ensure that Windows uh, as an OS and the Windows applications will run perfectly on each and every model of computer that's out there. And that's the reason why Windows comes pre-installed when you buy it from computer manufacturers like Acer and Asus and Dell and HP, Lenovo, Samsung, Toshiba, mm-hmm. and the hundreds of other manufacturers that are out there. Those manufacturers will find and configure the drivers for you. And once they've built the hardware, they go and do that. They will tweak the display settings. They'll go out and work for the you know, work out the kinks in the networking. They'll configure the Wi-Fi settings. And they'll apply the patches that uh, have the workaround for the bug in the Wi-Fi card that the guys in marketing just insisted on using because it had better specs than the competitive uh, machine they were trying to outsell mm-hmm. and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. The things that those manufacturers do to get Windows working. And if you decide when you buy a Windows computer that you want to upgrade to the next version of Windows or you simply need to reinstall Windows from scratch and you don't uh, have a recovery disk or you don't have a recovery partition, boy, are you in for some fun. And I've well, done this. Well, uh, trying to find the right drivers, trying to make things work, trying to find in the old days, it was IRQ conflicts and, I, you know, those kinds of things. So uh, lots of different trouble that you can have. So uh, are you saying then that these uh, not so on a price basis, is it our uh, computer systems from System 76 equal to or less costly than uh, than? Uh, then you going out and doing it yourself, you know, getting a Windows machine and installing Linux on it that way? No, uh, because if you were to, well, let, let me back off on that. Not normally, uh, because you could, I suppose, go out and buy a Lenovo with no operating system on it, but you're not going to save all that much money because Lenovo and all of these other manufacturers of computer hardware buy Windows with uh, so cheaply that it might as well be free to them. And they do provide a bit of a markup, but because they don't support it, and Microsoft doesn't support Windows for these OEM versions, um, they don't have to uh, bear the costs of support either for the operating system. And yes, you can go and you can pay HP some money uh, or Lovo some money or Microsoft some money for support if you need it, but if you've ever tried to get support for the operating system from them, you may realize that that's not really economical either. But getting back to your question, Craig, about the the potential savings in cost because you're putting a free operating system on there, no. Um, You're not going to save any money because most of the money uh, in a computer is from the hardware itself, not from the operating system anyway. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, Apple gives away OS X these days, and apparently Microsoft gives away Windows these days as well. Yeah, it seems so. to be seem to it seems to be heading uh, in that direction. What about all the bloatware that comes on your your computer? Do they put bloatware on the? Uh, did you get a lot of bloatware on your system or or not? Uh, 
Uh, none whatsoever. It was plain vanilla, Ubuntu, out of the box. Uh, the only thing that System76 added was that special driver that allows you to do uh, a restore and potentially had some hardware drivers in there as well, which I don't think mine did. So uh, there is no bloatware. There's no adware. There's no special versions of software that when you click on it, it'll run for 10 days and then it'll stop working or nothing that uh, is going to add, uh, you know, the Bonsai Buddy toolbar to your browser <laughs> or anything like that. None of that uh, it is uh, exactly the same as though you had gone and you had gone to China and purchased the uh, Clevo model, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, from the original manufacturer of the hardware and installed Ubuntu on there yourself. Um, so what do you get, you ask, yeah. <laughs> when buying from System76? Well, you get a warranty from System76, uh, which is a one-year warranty. And, of course, you can purchase uh, additional years of warranty if you so choose from the manufacturer. And that warranty, of course, includes uh, a warranty for the hardware as well as uh, support uh, for the software during that warranty period. So they will support Ubuntu. And in fact, Ubuntu provides System76 a uh, section in their Ubuntu forums specifically for System76 users. Uh, so System76 and Ubuntu have some sort of deal going on, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, as a result, um, you can call them up on the phone, you can send them uh, an email, and they will respond. I have sent them uh, a couple of emails asking questions, and they have been very responsive. And uh, I haven't yet called them on the phone, but I know of people who have, and they are friendly and uh, helpful uh, and willing to answer your questions, whether it's a hardware question or a question about Ubuntu. So, but, um, but they ask, helpful. do they do ask you, they pre qualify, they say, you know, what is the serial number of your answer or whatever to identify that you? What do they do? Well, when you uh, I've only asked the questions through their support channel on the website, yeah. and uh, because when you uh, purchase a computer from them, you register the computer. Uh, when you go in through their support channel, they already have all of that information, so you never have to provide it. It uh, mm. it it goes with your question. They know what you've got, what you bought, and so on. So, uh, one of the questions I ask them is uh, this particular model of computer. Uh, comes with uh, one of the um, SSD drives on a uh, PC card. It's not a, a, a removable drive mm -hmm. as the main boot up, boot up drive. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a bay inside for an external drive. Well, not an external drive, an internal drive. So a standard laptop drive. And you can put in there a, a spinning drive or an SSD drive. You can order one from them. You can order up to a one terabyte SSD, which would have put the computer well out of my reach financially. Mm, yeah. But um, uh, I had that 512 gigabyte SSD drive that I had purchased for my uh, HP. Mm -hmm. So my intent was to take it out of there and put it into the empty bay in the, um, in the System76, which I did. But before doing that, I noticed that there was, uh, unlike uh, on some computers, uh, a nice little bay door that you open up and you just slide the drive in and away you go. I actually had to remove the back, you know, turn the computer upside down and remove the bottom of the uh, computer 
17 screws. <laughs> you, you counted them? <laughs> yes. And uh good thing is they were all the same size and shape, ah. which was not the case with my HP. <laughs> so ah. I didn't even have to keep track of the screws. Um, but the 17 screws and... Um, in uh, the the hard drive went in very nicely the SSD drive, but before I did any of that, sent them an email on the uh, support site or logged into the support site and sent them a question that said, mm-hmm. uh, "I understand that I need to remove the bottom of the computer to uh, put in this drive which I've already purchased uh, and I have had for some time. Does it void my warranty to open the back of the computer?" Mm. Their answer was, "No." Here's how to take the screws out, and uh, good luck. <laughs> wow. So um, uh, they have no problem with uh, you purchasing. A, if if the model that you purchase has a spare slot for a, a, an external drive, I keep saying external drive, for uh, an internal uh, a laptop drive, you can uh, purchase that drive from them, have them pre-install it, or you, if you already have a drive that you want to use, as I did, you can install it in there, and they continue to support the original hardware. They're not going to support the drive, of course, that I put in there, but they'll support everything else. And as long as my drive doesn't dry, uh, damage their hardware, um, no problem. So, uh, And I uh, <clears throat> used the Ubuntu operating system for as long as I could stand it and uh, then decided that I wanted to install Linux Mint on there and... Uh, uh, the folks at System76 have no problem with that either. Really? So you're yep. saying you're, so you're saying for the most part it was it was it was painless. It was absolutely painless. Uh, the only pain I had. All okay, right. Here's the other shoe. Has to, be a, shoe, it, has to right? be a little pain. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of pain. Yeah. So when I first got it, opened it up, tried to connect to my Wi-Fi router, and it wouldn't connect. Ah. Okay. And so my previous experience was go find out on the Internet what's wrong with the Wi-Fi driver, with the Wi-Fi card. Mm-hmm. So I did some research, and there are the, the hardware that they use is an Intel Wi-Fi wireless card. Mm-hmm. And this wireless card has a lot of entries in the System76 um, forums with a lot of angry people. Uh, oh. It also has a lot of entries on the Intel forum with a lot of angry people, Linux users and Windows users. And one of the solutions I found was upgrade the software on your Wi-Fi router, which I did. And now my Wi-Fi card connects no problem. So... <laughs> As a as a wireless N uh, connected um, <clears throat> Wi-Fi card, it actually is capable of AC. But I have an, a wire uh, a wireless N uh, Wi-Fi router. Um, uh, the apparently the Wi-Fi card from Intel uh, has um, is using the the current standard of uh, wireless N. And there are a lot of old routers out there, and routers that are pre uh, pre the uh, pre the official spec on wireless N, and mm-hmm. so they have some old uh, old software, old firmware in there. And as soon as I updated the firmware and the router, everything worked. Perfectly. You, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned. I mean, hardware can kind of, you know affecting software like that, and and and. 
and this is not only to the the Linux community. Let's face, it, I mean, I mean, you see this all the time in Windows. Uh, as a matter of fact, last night, this is a perfect example. Uh, Ben's uh, mother's laptop uh, would not. I believe that's your wife. Yeah, <laughs> my wife. Just want to just want to lay the family tree out there. All right. My wife's <laughs> laptop, which was working with Firefox, you know, wonderful. All of a sudden, stopped working with Firefox. And hmm. she went to a she went to a website. She went to Kayak, and she said, "Oh, you know, I saw a bunch of things happening." And ever since she went to Kayak, it would just come up, and everything was black. So I ran Chrome. Chrome went ran fine. Went back. I, I so I, I said okay so I started Firefox in safe mode, that worked, so mm-hmm. I said okay so maybe it's a plugin so I I went in there to, to turn all the plugins turned them off you know, and then when I started up again nope nothing so I updated I let me update Firefox, it was the latest version I updated again maybe something went would not run it only in safe mode it would not run and I even we I ran uh, you know the uh, uh, anti malware I did everything I said it just would when I ran normally for some reason Firefox one way and then I looked at what it was doing is I was seeing a lot of black area when I when I went to try to go to a menu it would just be a black square would appear it was like it was trying to display something but whatever it was trying to display wouldn't display it I said okay this has got to be something with hardware I, it had to be and so. I went back and I went to the configuration and I turned off hardware acceleration because that's the first thing. Wouldn't you know? It works. So, so I, I even went and I updated the, the 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 Intel hardware driver. The you know I think well, maybe it's an old driver. Try that. That didn't work. But the moment I turned off hardware acceleration in the in the um, in the uh, Firefox setup, the configuration works perfectly. So now she's not using hardware acceleration, but I can't, you know, it's, a, it, it's stuff like that that just drives you up a wall, you know, you, 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 you and, and there's no explanation for it. Uh, so it does happen not only I in... Li- think there are a couple, what, billion computers out there nowadays. Yeah. Not every one of them is going to play nice with the other. Yeah, but but well, it, but it worked perfectly, like, it was working fine up to, like, last night, and then, and then it's decided... It's not going to work anymore. I'm telling you to turn off hardware. So, but nothing tells you that. You just have to use some. You have to use some common sense. Just, I mean, that, that's what tipped me off. The fact that it, was, it looked like it was trying to display, but the hardware. The, it was the video. I first updated the video drivers. I did uh, everything. The, there was the Nvidia drivers, and there was the Intel graphics drivers. Everything. I updated it all. Uh, just one day, it decided not to work until you turn off the hardware acceleration. Right. So is this a Windows computer? Yeah, it's a Windows computer. Yeah. It yeah. Is. Yeah. And you see, I think it's it's more of a problem on Windows than on on Apple uh, hardware, um, primarily because um, you know Apple uh, makes their hardware and their software to work together, mm-hmm. and you can rely on the Apple hardware being pretty um, uh, consistent from model to model, uh, mm-hmm. much more so than you can. Uh, on um, computers, hardware design. Right. But for this to stop working, you know, one day, I mean, you know, it worked perfectly. And, then I, and, I, we, and the only thing that she could tie is that she went to a Kayak website and, when she, and it opened up a bunch of other, like, windows behind it, you know, and, and, and she mm-hmm. says, oh, I didn't do that. And so she turns it off and then started it up again. And from that point on, it wouldn't work. Right. And that may have been just coincidence. It may have been. Yeah, like, it may have been. It happened to happen. At the same time as this uh, this but, problem started but, to manifest. Yeah, this tweaking stuff. But you see, it does. It happens on all platforms. Uh, 
well, it, it does. It, it's it does. not only just mm-hmm. Linux, but, it, but you can have situations on Windows. This is Windows 7. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a good solid operating system. But even with uh, Windows, yeah, you, you um, never with Mac, but with Windows, <laughs> uh, you can have. Uh, you can I have... can say firsthand that I <laughs> I, I, re, I refute that uh, last time. <laughs> I didn't used to be able to make that claim firsthand, but uh, now I can yeah. since uh, since I have a. Uh, and I couldn't even. And Ben was computer for work. And Ben wasn't even here, so I couldn't blame Ben for you know doing something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. Dog. <laughs> it was a dog. <laughs> I mean, I've done some stupid stuff, like going into the registry and like I, I tried to oh. I tried to switch my C and D partitions. Oh, that and I went to the registry and just insert D to C and C to D, <laughs> and that almost <laughs> broke my computer completely. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember that he was in pain. I mean, he was but hours. It was trying to find. It was trying to go to the registry with C, but all the files were still in C. But I was redirecting it to D, so it was just going in a big circle that wouldn't go and, anywhere. And, yeah. so, uh, and, and finally, he was able. Uh, did you put it in some sort of safe mode or something? He was finally able to get in there and put it back. But just just to put it back. I think. Yeah. I think most people who tinker, and most people who like to play with it, I think I ran into what most people do eventually, and that it kind of worked itself out. <laughs> Wow. I didn't really do anything. <laughs> That's now you really should be worried. All right, listen, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to continue on. We're going to uh, finish. We got a few more things, and then we're going to our email. You're listening to the Computer America Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on the Boost Radio Network, and the IRN Radio Network. This is Computer America. We're going to be right back. Stay with us. I'm not going anywhere. Broadcasting live, it's the only national radio talk show on computers to air every weeknight, Computer America, hosted by national columnist Craig Crossman. The first hour's behind us, but there's still more of tech news, tech talk, and your phone calls. We're being beamed nationwide at ComputerAmerica.com. You got computer problems? Bring them on. You're listening to Computer America. Computers run the world, and we run computers. Call us or send us an email to live at ComputerAmerica.com. Hello and welcome into Hour 2 of the nation's longest-running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers. This is the Computer America Show, and I'm your host, Craig Crossman. And I'm your co-host, Ben. And Larry Bushy, uh, the creator of the Going Linux podcast, continues on with us uh, for the rest of the show. And uh, we're, uh, we, as I said, we're talking about uh, uh, Apple. Uh, you know the topic being that you know Apple did it uh, was right. The magic of hardware and the operating system made for each other, and all the wonderfulness that goes along with that. Uh, Larry's talked about he has his brand new 14.1 inch uh, uh, Galago Ultra Pro system from System76, which had Linux uh, already pre-installed on it. It worked like a dream out of the box. Um, again, if you have a comment. Uh, question, suggestion, 347-884-8881. We'll get you on and get you through. Email live, L-I-V-E, at ComputerAmerica.com or join us in our live interactive at, uh, uh, IRC chat room uh, at our homepage at ComputerAmerica.com. Just click the chat room slash video page. You can watch the live Computer America video streaming uh, on that same page as well. It's all there. It's available for you. Available for you. And again, if you go to our show notes page at ComputerAmerica.com, I have updated the years now, so they're correct. Uh, 2014, um, 10-16-2014. It's our all-Linux show. Uh, you'll see our show notes uh, page there. Uh, we have Larry Bushy listed. 
and the two links, which is the show notes, which is what we're doing now, and also the emails, which we'll be doing a little bit later on in the program. Uh, so where are we now on the show notes uh, at this point? Because we've kind of yeah. been the back and forth. Where are we in the list? Yeah, we have. We've, we've talked about um, the computer that I bought, and we've talked about why Windows is pre-installed. And basically mm-hmm. it's uh, because there is so much variability in the hardware. Mm-hmm. The original hardware manufacturer generally has to install it to get everything working correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, find the right drivers, install it, and make mm-hmm. sure things are tweaked properly, mm-hmm. adjust the registry, mm-hmm. put on all the crapware for you, and uh, <laughs> exactly. you know, all that other good stuff that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a reason why OS X comes pre-installed as well, and it's not the same reason by any stretch. Mm-hmm. So um, unlike uh, the generic IBM original PCs where they made clones, Apple had clones for a while, but they put a stop to that. Mm-hmm, uh, I think mm-hmm. it was Steve Jobs who did that after returning to yep. to Apple, uh, eliminated the generic Mac hardware, and that was done many years ago. It's resulted in a very limited selection of vendors that are approved to produce the hardware that makes it onto Apple's short list of approved vendors. But it's so it's it's so sweet. I mean, I mean, when you take if you had to bring your Apple in for repair, it's it is. Because it's a closed system, they literally the, the repair guy takes a, an Ethernet cord. Chances, go up to the bar, you drop your computer off. They, they take your hands, they give you a little manicure yeah. while you wait. <laughs> they plug the Ethernet your scalp with the shampoo. They plug the Ethernet cord right into it, and it just logs into Apple computer. It knows the serial number, they plug everything. Lovingly. They know about everything about that computer, and it makes the recommend. It diagnoses it, sees what's wrong, um, tells you what's wrong with it, gives it the recommendations to fix it. I mean, it's just it's just a work of it's it's so nice just to see that happen. It's amazing. Yeah, and so because they have a limited selection of hardware, it makes it very easy to service. Service yeah, exactly, and it means that uh, Apple's operating system and application software can be written without uh, the need to consider hardware outside of that very special list. So that makes it easy for, for developers. Yep. And software creators know that there are only a certain number of hard drives and RAM chips and display drivers and screen resolutions, processors, network cards, power supplies, and other hardware components <laughs> to consider. Uh, lots of components to consider, but only a certain number of kinds that right. they have to worry about. And as a, as a result, they have a finite list of hardware to test their software against. And in an effort to ensure that it works flawlessly, they, of course, do test it on the hardware, but they don't have to test an Acer model and an Asus model and an HP model and a Lenovo model because there's only one model. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there may be different varieties of that model, uh, although you might just go in and say, I need a MacBook Air. You've got to answer quite a few questions before you get the version that you want with the right amount of hard drive and RAM and sure. everything else. But they're all basically the same, you know, same mm-hmm. shell, same slots that the stuff goes into. It's just how big, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's the the reason that Apple comes pre Apple computers come pre-installed with OS 10 is because OS 10 is, what the hardware is designed to run. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, that's why they install it, because mm. what else are you going to put on there? Of yeah. course, you can dual boot with other things, and mm. you can use Boot Camp, and you can use this, and you can use that, but it's designed for OS X. So mm. that's what they put on it. That's what they support. And mm. that's the same kind of thing 
that System76 is doing with this hardware. Mm -hmm. They pre-install Ubuntu because that's what it's designed to run. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result, um, you end up with something that may not be designed aesthetically out of one piece of aluminum that's machined to very mm. fine specs and, uh, you know, covered in Corinthian leather with and all that sort of stuff. With, with tiny little <laughs> screws. <laughs> but you do get a computer that uh, runs extremely well, mm -hmm. that runs out of the box, mm -hmm. and that you can change the operating system to another version of of uh, Linux and have it run equally well. Um, and what you do get with System76 that you don't get with, with an Apple computer, though, is the ability to change the hard drive, to swap out the battery, to add more RAM, to do those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And although older models of Apple let you do that, the newer models more and more are not. And uh, that's giving... Yeah. Well, those newer model you computers, might... of course, it makes them yeah. harder to service as a result. Well, that's true. You know, you know, I talked to an Apple t technician not too long ago, and uh, and that was one his only complaint. I mean, it, it was easy; it identified everything. But he says these new, the the latest ones. I don't know if you look at the newer Macs. I mean, they they're razor thin. You know, the edges because yeah. uh, they took out the CD drive and they put, made an external. Uh, he says he says you will not believe when you pull it. I said the glass and everything, even with the proper tools. He says it's a bear trying, you know, to open these things and get to it. I mean, it's it's difficult because the tolerances uh, to that they're working on with is so small. You know, it just makes it harder to work on. Of course, you don't have to work on it. You bring it to Apple, you're not going to open it up. Because, uh, but the point is, uh, even with the authorized Apple people, uh, they think it's it's really difficult to work on today's Macs. Right, and there's. Uh, from what I understand, as much glue on there as there are screws. So. Yeah, there are. It's just a, it's just a lot of it is glued now to it, and you have to break the glue bond. That's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah it is. And, uh, yeah, where, what's what's it going to screw into? It's glass on the other side. So, yeah. well, they want to make it thin. They got to make it. They're making it so thin that there, there's not much left to screw it into. You know, exactly. Yes, exactly. Hmm. So, um, yeah. Now <clears throat> we've talked about the reason that. Um, Windows comes pre-installed. We mm -hmm. talked about the reason that uh, OS X comes pre-installed. The reason to get uh, Linux pre computer pre-installed with Linux is when you buy a computer with Linux pre-installed, like when you buy it from Apple, you can be sure that the hardware works beautifully uh, with your chosen operating system. Okay, so the hardware may not have been designed specifically to run Linux, but the computer vendor has chosen that particular hardware specifically because it does work with Linux, any Linux. Mm -hmm. So you can install Linux on almost uh, any, uh, even though you can install uh, Linux on almost any computer hardware, Mac, Windows, doesn't matter. Uh, the reason that you want to buy a computer with Linux pre-installed is because you want to get one that, you're going to have that just works experience uh, regardless of what version of Linux you choose uh, to install in the future. And, mm -hmm. you know, that that may not be for everyone, but as time marches on and computers become more and more um, complex appliances, yeah. you know, it's, it's the Internet appliance, uh, yeah. there will be more and more people who want 
computers to just run, run yeah. out of the box and not have to tinker with them. There will always be people like me who enjoy tinkering, but I wanted to find out what the experience was in purchasing a computer well, that's designed to run Linux, and I'm not disappointed, not can, at all. Can you? Th- I mean, I cannot think of any device uh, uh, that that has been given the opportunity to quote-unquote tinker than the personal computer. I mean, you don't tinker with your television. You don't tinker with your phone. You don't You don't tinker with your dishwasher or your refrigerator. I mean, you know, it, it, they just work. Uh, and it's taken it a long time. Uh, you can still tinker. But I think today, especially with these all-in-one computers, they really are just becoming appliances. Uh, and people... Are for the first time are really starting to look at yes, granted there will always be tinkers, always people will buy older cars and went out with carburetors and doing that and you know and and I mean Charles Tendell is a perfect example. He loves to tinker with old cars, but the point is today's modern cars you know are basically computers on wheels and you you need the proper equipment to to work on it. And you have to be certified so to do you know uh, to do that. Um, I think with this with the sophistication and complexity of these devices today, um, I think uh, you're finding less and less tinkering. Uh, yeah, well, let's face it. Uh, you, you mentioned that today's computers are some of the oh. only things that you tink- tinker with other than cars, but mm-hmm. let's face it, they were original. The, the personal computer is and was designed to be the personal computer, mm-hmm. and they were designed by tinkerers and hackers mm-hmm. like Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs yep. and uh, the people at uh, you know at Xerox and the people at IBM, um, these were folks who liked to tinker and so they built machines that they could tinker with. And mm-hmm. although they have become very proprietary and over time they've become less and less tinkerable, if that's a word, <laughs> um, then um, uh, although that has happened, their origins were in. Um, uh, in an environment where tinkering was expected, uh, you know, if you remember the original uh, uh, home computers for tinkerers, for people, hobbyists. And, yeah, exactly. You know, the TI-99-4A yeah. were clubs mm-hmm. all over. It makes uh, sense, yeah. Their roots are based in, in the tinkering mentality, and it's taken 30-some-odd years or, long, or longer, actually, uh, for them to finally rise above that. I mean, uh, you really can't tinker with an iPad anymore. You know, you know, the, the computers are getting to the point where they're not supposed to be tinkered with. Uh, um, even when you look at today's desktops, you look at the Mac Pro. Uh, that's a, still the desktop-class computer. You look at that, that's like a cylinder. Yeah, you can open it up and you can put things into it, and yeah, but but even that is really being designed so not to t- you know don't tinker with it, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and the Apple computers, especially their laptops, um, are a prime example of how much of an appliance these things have become mm-hmm. over time over mm-hmm. the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. And the other example, something that I haven't mentioned up until this point, is the Chromebook. Uh, the Chrome operating system from Google uh, is designed to run on very specific hardware as well. And uh, it is, unlike Apple, there are many manufacturers of Chromebooks these days, certainly not as many as there are for Windows computers, but 
they're required to build that hardware with, with some very specific requirements from Google. So uh, although it's a little less stringent than Apple, they're tending more towards a, um, uh, a closed-in locked hardware system as well. Yeah, exactly. So there it is. Uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> so if, if you want to buy a computer, you like Linux, you've given it a try, uh, but you don't like Linux because of the fact that you've had to tinker to make it work on the computer hardware that you're currently using, your next computer, instead of buying a Windows computer and trying Linux on it, buy a computer that already has Linux on it and you'll be much happier if that's the kind of person you are. Right. If you're a tinkerer, you'll be less happy. Well, I shouldn't say that. You can still tinker. Because <laughs> I will. <laughs> I just won't be fine with it to yeah. make it work. You know, because because we come from a generation of, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're tinkering with sort of expected. But I, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. That's crazy. That's, but, you know, I, I think in the next 10 years, when the generation, or, or, or 15 years, you know, comes around again, and then you then and people are raised with all in ones, and they just they want their stuff to work, and they you, go. You yeah. can go. It's already happening. It's yeah. kids today just don't, and kids. I mean, you know, about the fourteen, fifteen year olds, about six or seven years younger than I am, mm-hmm. they really don't know how computers work. Yeah. They just have a phone or a computer at home, and they press a button, and they know how to use them. They just don't know how they work. Right. They don't. They've never taken one apart. The screwdriver. They know what the screwdriver is, you know. Um, they don't care. They don't care. They don't want to pop the lid. You know, look inside. They don't. You know, they just. Uh, they don't want. Just, I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah. Now, have we have we lost something as a society because uh, we're, we're raising a generation of non-tinkerers? <laughs> I mean, <you> know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, it it's like anything else, though. I'm sure there's a pendulum here, and it'll swing back the other way eventually, and. Uh, you know, there'll be a whole generation that doesn't care how things work, and uh, the next generation will be, "How, Dad, how could you not care about this? Uh, here, I've, I've experimented with this toaster, and I've taken it apart 18 times, and it runs <laughs> Linux, and uh, I can reprogram it, and it's now a bicycle. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, when I, I, you have to imagine that when cars were first sold, you know, there were no mechanics that you could take them to. You kind of just bought one, and then you had to know how they worked, and you had to take them apart yourself. That's true. You know, nowadays, I can barely change my own oil. It's, you know, not everyone has to know how to do everything with a computer or with a car or with anything. It's just, you know, as long as people are still interested in it, because you you definitely don't want something as important as technology, you know, being a small portion of your, you know, of your education. Because they're more and more important, so well, they should have more relevance. Well, uh, also the other thing is that I think we're getting to a point. I mean, you know, we were talking with Intel just the other night. You know, we're at the 14 nanometer, and we're coming to the 10 nanometer technologies. The things are getting so flippin' small that you can't tinker with them. They're just too tiny. You know, there's nothing left to tinker with. You know. It, yeah. you know, the point is, you know, we're talking the days where you had the cards and you could take them and put them in the slots, you know, and you could see the discrete components on them and the fans. Uh, we're getting to the point where the technology is becoming so advanced that there's really nothing left to tinker with, you know, except the operating system, maybe, you know. Yeah, and just an example of that is uh, 
all the wearable technology. Yeah. Uh, the power in a watch today is more than <laughs> some of the original computers. Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, By yeah, many times. That's, that's just the watch. <laughs> yeah. By <laughs> many times. By many times. Yeah. Uh, I think this has devolved into a kids these days. Yeah, <laughs> back in my day, right back then, I had a real watch with a with a, with a spring <laughs> and a balance wheel. To wind it. Yeah, right. Yeah, none of this. Several times a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a self winding watch, and I had to walk to another to generate Wait, this so power. Okay. Grandpa, Grandpa, are you telling me time was beamed into your head from space like it is today? <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Uh, this is what happened. I it, it, it's going to be fun when we finally get the implant into our eyes, and they're satellite connected, so, you know, yeah. date, time, yeah. everything yeah. is just beamed straight to your head. Yeah, try tinkering with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I got to pull my, I, I got to get this thing out of my eye, you know. <laughs> Where's a screwdriver here? Let me see if I can, no. It, it's, it's, it gets to the point where it's just too small. There's nothing left to, left to tinker with, you know. I mean, I mean, this Apple Watch is coming out in January. There's nothing to tinker with. You, 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 you there's no, you just, it's, it, as far as you can be concerned, it's a solid lump. This is not nothing to to mess with. Well, you know? wait, you're you're talking about the Apple Watch, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Apple Watch, the Apple computer, the Apple phone, the Apple everything. You can't tinker with Apple. Yeah, that's that's not the point of Apple. Well, you yeah, I know. Oh, you tinkered with it. You replaced the, you got your special screwdriver and you replaced the screen, you know, and everything. You, yeah, I got a repair kit. And I can take apart my phone, but I'm not tinkering with it. I'm replacing it. Yeah, that's I'm not, right. You know, saying, "Hey, I got this graphics card, and it would look really great if I could just figure out how to fit this into my iPhone. It would be blazing." Yeah. It's not tinkering; that's just no, repairing. It's just repairing. Yeah, they're non-tinkerable. I mean, there's nothing to tinker with, and I think that's the direction we're heading. With. I mean, I mean, that's where we're going. These things are all going to be so advanced that uh, you, you know, that's it. You know, there's nothing. Well, there's every, no, everybody and their brother is is uh, making a new smartwatch these yeah. days. I mean, no. So Samsung has it, mm-hmm. and Apple has it, and even Will I Am is yep. coming out with a lineup. Yeah, we saw it last night. Yeah, it's a bracelet. Yeah, so yeah. amazing, amazing, amazing. And uh, remember, you know, remember, it used to say no user serviceable parts inside. You know, right. on the TV, back of TVs. Well, now that's that's yeah, that was on TVs, and of course now that should be that's pretty much everything these days. There's nothing, there's nothing left to tinker with. Well, we, we've made it to the age of the Dick Tracy watch. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> kind of. I, I, as long as there are gamers, I think there are people who are going to tinker. Yeah, yeah, you think so? Yeah. Maybe. Well, let's uh, let's move into emails. E- let's move into emails. Yeah, I mean we're we're waxing nostalgic, you know, and, and that's nice. I mean, you know, the point is, but I and and and, and but I think they're all valid points. There's something to be said for philosophy, folks. Philosophizing, yeah. philosophy. There's something to be said for falafel. <laughs> <laughs> falafels are good. Yes, they are. They're delicious. Um, uh, all vegetable. All right. So let's go. We're going to move into the email. And if you guys are following along, go to our show notes page. You know, on today's show, uh, uh, 10-16-2014, and click on the email link, and then you can follow and read along all the emails that we're doing. And we're going to start off. Uh, with someone who happens to be in our Computer America chat room, Internet Ken. Uh, sent an, an, an email uh, to you, and and yep. uh, go ahead. He was he was commenting on my choice of System 76 as a computer. 
and this actually wasn't an email. This was on uh, our Google Plus ah. uh, community. All right. So, um, <clears throat> Ken, uh, I, I had posted my selection. I actually wrote an article about this for the website uh, about my selection of System 76, covering some of the same things that we just spoke about in this uh, this uh, mm-hmm. event here. Um, and uh, Kate, Larry, you bought a pre-installed system and then replaced the operating system? (laughs) As far as I know, Linux laptop vendors don't design systems from the ground up. For example, System76 uses Clevo systems, and he provides a link to uh, Clevo, and you'll find that in the show notes, of course. Um, Are they guaranteed to run newer versions of distributions when they come out? I just installed OS 10 Mavericks on a 2010-era iMac that is ported configuration by Apple. Mm-hmm. It is rare that I have a PC that isn't fully supported by Linux, even the PCs that I've built that are currently running CentOS and Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. And uh, I responded back to Ken, and uh, in the time before the break, I think I can get through this response. I'm just going to read it right from the uh, Google Plus page. I've provided a link in the show notes there. And it is, I think it's the bottom as we're we're talking, no, second from the bottom uh, um, response uh, comment on there. So I responded to Ken saying, my desire was to buy a computer that would let me use Linux without the need to hassle with making the hardware work. Mm-hmm. I considered a MacBook and dual booting, and I used, uh, and I considered a used MacBook uh, and uh, installing Linux natively to root them. I considered Apple hardware because of the Linux uh, community support for the hardware. I also considered a ZA Reason or as a Reason uh, pre-installed with Linux Mint in the end, I chose System76 for the specs as well as for the Linux support. You're right, most computer hardware is well supported by Linux these days, but there is always the chance that something will require some tweaking. Sure, I have the skills and experience to put Linux on almost any computer at hand, but that small tweak could take hours of research and trial and error to fix. Even if it were to take just a few minutes to fix, I simply don't want the hassle. I'm tired of it. I wanted a no-risk way to install the OS I wanted, have a computer with the specs I wanted, and have it all work out of the box. The MacBook didn't meet the specs I wanted and didn't have replaceable parts. The selection of ZA Reason, Ultrabooks, even their newest one, didn't have the specs I wanted. Mm -hmm. The System 76 met all of the hardware criteria, hardware criteria, and ensured that when I replaced the provided Ubuntu, I would be able to install Mint and have everything just work. That's how I ended up buying a computer with Linux pre-installed and then replacing the OS with another version of Linux. P.S. Having said that, I actually tried using Ubuntu. I really did. I just didn't like, uh, I just didn't like it. It's the way Unity works. And that turns me off. Sorry, Canonical, you just aren't addressing my needs. Uh-huh. And Ken responded back. He said, I used to hate Unity 2, but I got used to it, and it's my preferred personal desktop. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. 
And let's see here. I'd like to hear a review of your experience with the hardware and the OS install future show topic, maybe. Maybe so. So, so, uh, Internet Ken, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he he used to hate it, but after a while he liked it. Now, yeah, why is that? Well, you know, it's uh, I've used it for a little while, and it does grow on you after a while. Uh, yeah. The the folks at Canonical have designed Ubuntu to make it easy to use, mm-hmm. but they've got a quirky way of of doing things that's different in some cases from most other Linux distributions, mm-hmm. and uh, they've they've done that for whatever their own reasons are. But uh, generally speaking, it works quite well. I just don't like the way that the search works. Uh, I don't like the way that you have to um, look for an application. I like mm-hmm. uh, a drop-down menu where you click the applications menu and you navigate to whatever application that you want, or that you click on the applications menu and you type in either the name of the program you want to run or the function that it performs, like mm-hmm. word processor or spreadsheet or yeah. text editor. Mm-hmm. And it finds it and you run it from there. Uh, it it works sort of like that with Unity, but not quite. And there are a few other little quirky things about Unity uh, that, that I don't like either. Now, of course, I could install Ubuntu and I could put um, the... Um, Cinnamon desktop environment and replace Unity, and I could go in and put in the uh, multimedia drivers that uh, Ubuntu doesn't supply out of the box, but they make it very easy to install. But then, what would I have? I would have Linux Mint. So why not just <laughs> start from Linux Mint? That was my rationale. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. in in my opinion, it used to be a joke. I think it's uh, more truth than joke. Linux Mint is Ubuntu done right. Okay. There it is. There you go, Ken. Okay. You heard it from Larry. Now you know why. Thank you. But I, I, th- I think that's really funny. That I mean, after all this tweaking, and then what do I wind up with? You know, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's it. I, I mean, I, one of my first uh, Linux distributions to run was was Ubuntu. And uh, not the first, because I experimented with a few failed attempts at trying to get Linux yeah. to work but from my Windows days into the, my first uh, Linux days. But um, yeah. it was the first one that was designed to just work out of the box as software, and um, I, yeah. I liked it at the time. Mm-hmm. It's when they changed to Unity that everything went downhill for them, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. And others agree with me, and many would disagree. So. Welcome back to the Computer America Show. Thank you, Mari Winston. Yeah. Again, for that, uh, another new Sit Bolt interview. Mm-hmm. It is our all Linux show tonight with Larry Bushy. And uh, yeah, we're doing, we finally got to the emails mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, just whatever Linux emails you get. And uh, we just finished up with Ken. And now we're moving on to Mr. Joe. In Ireland. In Ireland, yes. <clears throat> and he wants uh, some information about backups. Joe writes, hello, gentlemen. I am a recent listener who is, has, who's enjoying going back through the previous episodes to help me <clears throat> Excuse me, on my first steps to using Linux as my day-to-day. I'm finding your podcast to be very informative with excellent practical advice. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Could you consider doing a piece on online backup services, things like CrashPlan and Mosey, et cetera? I invested in CrashPlan already, but I'm not sure how well it runs on the Ubuntu-based distros. Also, I'm setting up a home server for backups, Plex Media Server, and many as an and maybe as an occasional family desktop using an HP N54L micro server. In general these days, would you recommend going with the 60 I'm giving up am I giving up compatibility in terms of available availability of Linux drivers by going 64 bit? Mm -hmm. Many thanks, Joe in Ireland. Well, there's two questions in there. So, uh for backups, yes, um the online services, because they're online, um, they will take a while to get all your backup up to the cloud. And I haven't had a lot of experience with those. Um, I do know that uh, uh, there are several that are compatible uh, with Linux, but I haven't tried them, so I can't really comment on them. Uh, if you're interested in... Uh, backup to a hard drive or to disk or there are any other local kinds of backups. There are plenty of options there. Um, you can use services like Dropbox or uh, Google's cloud storage to do storing of files, maybe not a backup per se, uh, depending on how much storage is available to you for free and how much you're willing to spend extra for it, you could probably do a backup of mm -hmm. your entire uh, data set up there. But um, for for local backups, whatever comes on your Linux distribution is probably a fine choice. There are lots of different ways to backup uh, a Linux computer, uh, but the, the choice made by the distribution of Linux is probably... Um, going to work just fine. They all work. Uh, they all work very similarly. Um, some use a little different technology than others. Uh, some automate uh, manual command lines, and others have uh, special ways of doing the backup um, in, in an encrypted fashion, and so on. So it really depends on you. Uh, if what you want to do is make a bit-for-bit -bit copy of your hard drive on an equally sized hard drive, so basically image your hard drive, Clonezilla uh, is a hmm. great way to do that kind of thing. Um, I know you didn't ask about that, but that's another kind of backup that you might be interested in. So if you have a spare hard drive that's the same size or larger, you can make a bit-for-bit uh, -bit backup onto that hard drive using something like Clonezilla, which is a live CD or a live uh, USB that you boot from and then make a copy of your installed hard drive onto a spare external hard drive and you can restore from there if you wish. And there are a couple of ways to do that with Clonezilla. You can make a bit-for-bit -bit image copy or you can copy a partition, a hard drive partition or a portion of your hard drive to a file on that external drive. Uh, you can store it onto a CD or a DVD as well if you wish. Um, and then restore from that, uh, although the restore is a little more involved when you do it that way rather than a clone. If you, if you clone it, you can just clone it back if you need to do a, a backup uh, and a restore. So lots of different options there. The, the one that I'm least familiar with are the, um, the online uh, storage uh, possibilities. Um, Craig, have you had any experience with, with those? How, well, yeah, uh, I, 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 like, 
Uh, well, you know, the bits per bit is real nice because basically, if you think about it, uh, um, there is so much work involved in setting up your hard drive, and if you back up the files or, you, or the applications and you have to reinstall everything, uh, you can spend not hours but days getting your system back the way you had it before something happened. Whereas with a clone or a bit for bit, basically, uh, it doesn't matter. As long as you – if you do a backup you know, within a reasonable amount of time, you know, if you do it every, every cup, at least once a week, maybe longer – um, you're going to have everything back the way you absolutely had it before you before something went wrong, and uh, it just it just it's just sweeter, you know, it's just nicer. You don't have yeah. to do all the you don't have to do all that work again. Right, and that kind of work is very typical of backing up and restoring a, mm-hmm. a Windows PC from scratch by reinstalling the operating system. Mm. It can be days to get it back up and exactly. running. Now, yeah. with with Linux, you don't have that trouble. Um, what I do when I upgrade, uh, and w- with Ubuntu, they do provide an in-place upgrade. So you can upgrade from one version to another in-place, much like you can with uh, with OS X, for example. Yeah. You can just upgrade it right, uh, right online like that. Um, I run Linux Mint, and although they do provide some upgrades, I go the more cautious route because I like to have things installed cleanly. And so when I do an upgrade... I make a backup copy of my home directory or my home partition uh, and then set that aside. And then I completely wipe out the hard drive, install Linux from uh, live media, uh, and then I put everything back into the home directory, reinstall the applications, and within, I'd say, the longest it's taken me to do a, a restore that way, or an upgrade and restore, has probably been a day, and that's when I uh, was interrupted with a bunch of things. Uh, elapsed time, though, it was probably maybe more like two hours, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, that's a significant amount of time. But it's certainly not days and days and days no, because yeah, yeah, exactly. you know the, the drivers are all there typically. Yeah. Uh, all you really have to do is set up your printer if you've got one. And uh, the nice thing about Linux, when you do your backup of your home directory, all of the settings for all of the applications are there. That's nice. So, you know, if you install your operating system and install your, um, all your applications, uh, and in Linux Mint, they provide a Mint backup tool that allows you to backup all of your applications as well and restore them from that backup. So you do your upgrade, you do the restore from your uh, applications, and then you move over your hard drive and everything just works, uh, yep. your home directory rather, and everything just, just works. So uh, it's it's not nearly so difficult. Mm-hmm. So Joe asked a question about 64-bit as well. No, you're not giving up anything these days by uh-huh. uh, uh, moving over to 64-bit, Joe. Uh, 64-bit has been around long enough that it has – pretty much become the standard for operating systems, whether that's uh, OS X or Windows or or Linux. And although if you have a 32-bit machine, uh, you can get a 32-bit version of Linux to run on there, there's no reason not to go 64-bit, especially if you um, uh, are planning on dual booting with Windows and you want a, a version of Windows that can address the larger amounts of RAM that's available in today's computers, you definitely want a 64-bit version. Uh, Linux doesn't suffer from that limitation, 
Uh, and so although you might have a 32-bit version with 8 gigabytes of RAM, it will still address that 8 gigabytes of RAM, even with a 32-bit version of Linux, not the case with Windows, uh, but a 64-bit version uh, will address even more RAM than 32-bit. And you're not really, uh, driver compatibility on 64-bit systems, not an issue anymore. It used to be five years ago or so, but not now. Not an issue. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, and somebody, uh, I think it was uh, Jonathan in the chat, said that I should uh, uh, do that email with an Irish accent, and I wouldn't embarrass myself for <laughs> the people from Ireland by trying to do that. I no, we wouldn't do that. No. Now, oh, look at this. Uh, someone says Bill. Bill is your uh, um, uh, my co-host. Co-host, yeah. yeah. Made a mistake. <gasps> No way. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> so Paul commented on Bill's mention of encryption, and he wrote, hello, Larry. He, he, he didn't address his email to Bill, so <laughs> I guess he wanted to avoid that whole thing. He said, the thing that concerns me the most is that Bill conveys to the listeners that you can't access an encrypted drive with a live CD. Again, an almost word-for-word -word quote from the show. Bill, quote, yeah, there, that's kind of the reason you encrypted it. You can't access it with the live CD, unquote. Uh, if you do any basic Google searching, you'll find that, indeed, this is possible. Looking forward to all your shows, especially the next feedback show. Thanks. Uh, so, bef well, before you go on, uh, we always say uh, uh, we'll take phone calls when they come in. Uh, oh, yeah. On the uh, show, and... Uh, um, uh, we certainly, you know, we, we, as long as it's on a um, uh, the topic of Linux, uh, we will uh, we will uh, do that. So uh, we're going to go out here to um, let's see nine one six nine one six is let's see where is that that Sacramento. is yeah Sacramento California uh, Sacramento caller Computer America Craig Crossman hi how are you how can we help you. Okay, well, you must have thought it was funny. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's continue on. Laughing with us, not at us. Not, I'm sure. <laughs> Might have just been someone calling in to listen to the show from the... It's possible. Oh. It's possible. Well, we'll just assume that. <laughs> All right, so... Okay, so moving right along. Um, yeah, so what Paul was talking about here is that uh, we were we received an email from a listener who had encrypted a hard drive. It may have been Paul, actually, uh, who had encrypted a hard drive and um, lost the encryption keys because they had, um, uh, what was it? I think, if I remember correctly, they had uh, reinstalled the operating system after a crash or something. Uh, so for some reason, they were, oh, I remember, they were distro hopping from one distribution to another. And so they decided to try, uh, you know, a, a switch. And unfortunately, they had encrypted the hard drive and did not back up the keys with uh, a, a separately from the encrypted hard drive. So the keys were on the encrypted hard drive. <clears throat> That's like, like locking your keys in your car, <laughs> you know. Um, and so we made the comment that you can't, break the encryption without the keys. Uh, and so uh, Bill's comment was, yeah, that's the reason you encrypted it in the first place is so that a hacker can't get into it. If you can unencrypt it without the keys, 
what would be the point of encrypting it? A bad guy could do that at any point in time. And I think that Paul is referring to uh, some of the, in when he talks about Google searching and finding that you can indeed unencrypt uh, a hard drive that's been encrypted, even with Linux encryption, uh, you'll find that all of those results that you get in that Google search depend on you having the key. Uh, so there are some tools you can use to use the key to unencrypt it and get your data off. But if you don't have the keys, you're not unlocking that encrypted hard drive, no matter how hard you try, even with a live CD. It's it's not going to let you in there unless you have the key. Mm-hmm. Well, there it is. So so basically, uh, did he is Paul correct or Bill correct? I think Bill's correct. I think Paul did some Googling and found, yeah, there were some posts that allow you to unencrypt with a live CD, but when you actually go in and read those posts, read those articles, Mm -hmm. they require you to have the key backed up somewhere. And uh, this particular listener did not. So he was out of luck. All right. So then let's uh, move on to Ken. Uh, He posted this in the Going Linux uh, Google Plus community, right? Yeah, he made a comment that uh, Netflix on Linux has, uh, with no user agent changes, question mark. I'm at work currently on Windows 7 and not at my Linux box in my office. Anyone tried it on Ubuntu um, or Mint yet? And what he's talking about there is that Netflix uh, has made itself compatible with Linux. You had to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. Uh, to make it work, you had to go into your browser and change the user agent and make it look like a, uh, you know, uh, if you were running uh, Firefox, make it look like it's Firefox running on Windows or something like that uh, to to fool Netflix into letting you play Netflix on the uh, um, uh Linux version of Firefox or any other browser for that matter. Well, Netflix made a change and now they're letting you um, view their, you know, pay them to view their movies uh, on Linux just as, so they'll they'll take uh, money from Linux users as well as they'll take money from uh, Windows and Mac users. Equality, that's what we like to hear. And that's all we ask. (laughs) Just consider us up there with a legitimate operating system, okay? (laughs) uh, It it, it kind of surprised me, though, that, you know, even though it's just the operating system and Netflix generally just runs in a browser. Like, it's not, you know, you don't have to really install anything. Maybe Microsoft Silverlight, but, uh, you know, it's, Netflix is generally just a browser uh, deal. So, it, yeah. you know, it, it surprised me to hear that it wouldn't run on Linux. Well, yeah, and they had done something to disable it, obviously. And um, I think a lot of uh, software developers who don't know anything about Linux are a little cautious about making their software compatible with Linux because they're worried they're going to have to support it. They don't have the skills to support it, and so they avoid the whole topic by making it incompatible with Linux or uh, making it so that it won't run on Linux. And I suspect that that may have been the case with Netflix, and perhaps they've gotten some Linux users over at Netflix that uh, finally figured out Hey, we can make this work. Let's let's turn that on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the head in the sand wasn't the best approach. So, well, yeah. Good news. Was, 
that way. Yeah, good news for Linux. Netflix now works, so you can fork over more of your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got about six minutes left. I think we have time to do maybe uh, one more email. Uh, That's good because we only have two. So. Yeah, so which one do you want <laughs> so, to do? Uh, we've got, yeah, we've got enough time for uh, Rainy's. Rainy, email. okay, all right. Yeah. So listener Rainy is having problems with a podcatcher. Hmm. Hi, Larry and Bill. I've been enjoying your show for quite a while now. However, lately I have noticed that the podcast feed, that's the Going Linux podcast feed, on AntennaPod wouldn't update anymore. AntennaPod is a podcatcher that runs on Android devices. After removing the feed, I tried to add it again. Every time I do this, AntennaPod is giving me an error and simply stops. This is the only program I have a problem with. Since GPotter works fine, and even on a Zoom, it updates. Zoom? I haven't heard of that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think this might have something to do with the XML? Um, I have also reached out to the creator of AntennaPod, but haven't heard anything back yet. Out of about eight podcasts that I am subscribed to with AntennaPod, only going Linux is misbehaving. Is there anything else I can try? Thank you for all your good work, uh, all the good work you do, Rainy. Well, in our email exchanges with Rainy, or rather our exchanges on on Google Plus as well, because he started this out in in email, I uh, reached out to our Google Plus community to ask if anyone else was having a problem. It turns out some of them were, and it turns out <laughs> that uh, some of them reached out to the AntennaPod uh, developer just like uh, Rainy did. Sorry for the uh, phone ringing. Okay, that was my fax machine. <laughs> my fax machine. <laughs> yes, I still have a fax machine. Yeah, I do too. Um, I just admitted that. Although I had to pick it up on the first ring. That's all. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we only have the one line. So anyway, back back to the issue here before we have the chit-chat here. Um, so uh, to make a very long story short, after some exchanges with the AntennaPod developer, the software developer, you've got to love uh, open source development, uh, open source software, because you can reach out to the developer. He did a little bit of research, and we made some suggestions, and it turns out that the chapters um, that we use uh, and we've been using for the past dozen or so episodes uh, has uh, some... Um, what wasn't being recognized by AntennaPod as a valid uh, XML tag. Mm -hmm. And the AntennaPod developer made the fix, pushed out the update, and within, I think it was about two or three days, we had a new version of AntennaPod and everybody was up and running and listening to the Going Linux podcast without any problem. Cool. AntennaPod once again. All and, right. Uh, that's just an example of uh, open source development at its best. And uh, this happened to be a uh, uh, something that was designed for Android, but the same sort of thing happens just about every day with Linux and Linux applications. Um, you can find the developer of these applications and you can write to them and they will respond because that's what, the Linux community does and the open source community does. We're, we're uh, a community of tinkerers who love to tinker and we design <laughs> software and we give it away for free because we want to. <laughs> that's kind of the way it works. And that's why Linux is free is because everybody wants to give it away for free. 
and they can. And there uh, there's a license that allows you to do that, and uh, it uh, it all works out. Kumbaya. <laughs> can we try, Rob? Try as an extension if we got we got sure. three minutes left. Okay. Uh, yeah, we can do this. Tonight. Okay. So our last mail is from Rob. Uh, he writes, I can't get the Nemo Media Columns extension to work in 32-bit Mint 16 or 17. I'll explain what the heck that is in a minute. It installs with no errors. It just doesn't work. I launch Nemo, go to the list view, right-click on the column headers, and the extra columns simply aren't there. I've tried completely removing and reinstalling Nemo and Nemo Media Columns, no luck. So far, I haven't been able to get Nemo Medium col- Media Columns to work in Mint 13 installed. Um, I've only been able to get Nemo Media, yeah. Nemo, easy for me to say, to work in Mint 13 installed from Backport Repository. Anybody else had trouble with this? After doing some research on it, yes. There's a bug yeah. in, the, in the software. Nemo is the file browser in Linux Mint. And it's designed to work with the Cinnamon desktop environment. So it, it uh, applies to a very small uh, group of Linux users who are using the Cinnamon desktop and using the Nemo uh, file browser. And this uh, plugin actually allows you to add columns to the detailed um, uh, display of files that are specific to media. So it gives you things like... Mm. Uh, the, the the length of the media and okay. that that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and there's there's a bug in that they haven't fixed it yet uh, there is no workaround it just isn't going to work until they fix it and they haven't fixed it yet so it's a waiting game stand by yeah, exactly yeah, stand by it will be here soon I'm sure so Larry uh, so again uh, what's the next uh, going Linux uh, topic going to be and when when can people hear it. Okay, well, our next episode will be uh, an in-depth uh, look at some uh, accessibility software on Linux. Uh, Bill and I have already recorded it. It will come out right after uh, this um, uh, Computer America episode. So that will be the next one. And then following that, of course, will be our listener feedback episode. We have some some uh, voicemails and some other things that we can uh, and. Uh, and yep. you can always and you can always go to Low Going Linux podcast. Just go to the correspondence uh, right at the top of any Computer America uh, page at our home, uh, for, at our website, and you'll see your Larry Bushy. You can see a picture of him there, and just click on it. It'll take you directly to the Going Linux podcast, uh, and you can uh, add that to the list of things that uh, you should be listening to, especially if you're interested in Linux. Again, thanks, Larry, for being with us here tonight. Always a pleasure, and we'll see you uh, next month on the uh, third Tuesday, uh, third Thursday of the month. And thank you all for being with us here tonight, and we will see you on tomorrow night's show. So until tomorrow night, this is Craig Crossman hoping that your hard disk never becomes floppy. We'll see you tomorrow night. Good night, everyone. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.